What's in the DIY hernia removal kit? I'm Torin Atkinson. Soda Jerks, if you're listening to us and falling asleep at the wheel, pull over and take a nap! I'm Joe Fulgham. Are you a boob man or a foot man? Now you can be both. I'm Kevin Leeson, and this is Caustic Soda. Follow-ups five. Good All Lord. right. Yeah. We've got a very active group of people out there who like to write comments and tell us what we've missed and whatnot. It's and God awesome. bless them. It's God. awesome. They're awesome. Satan bless them. Soda jer- Satan. Cthulhu bless them. Thor. <laughs> That's what I say. Odin. May Odin. Kamazots, the Aztec bat god. May Odin bless every May swing Kamazots of your axe. bless them. May they all ride flying polyps. I got something on Shark Attack going back in the news. Oh, wow. wow. That is, There's a new Shark Attack in the news. That is literally the first ever episode that we recorded. A shark attacked and killed a British tourist as his newlywed wife looked on from the beach in Seychelles, Indian Island Paradise, where they were celebrating their honeymoon. She's, oh. she's like, oh, that's curious. I love you. I love you. Ah! It's kind of actually terrible that she watched it actually go down. Yeah. Maybe she's one of those uh, like black widows, and she got she got a shark on her side. It's a it's a shark hit. Paid a shark and chum, <laughs> or made him wear chum uh, Bermuda shorts with chum. It's in like the I'll pockets. pay you a bunch of this food to eat some food. <laughs> I guess the sharks can think long term. Yeah. Uh, the tourist from Lancashire was hauled onto a boat and taken to shore following the attack, but died from blood loss after the shark ripped off his arm Ooh. and tore into his leg. Eey. His newly married wife was on the beach, a famous beauty spot hailed for its white sand on the archipelago's Praslin Island, and watched helplessly as her husband was savaged by the shark. Boo, savaging. Uh, two people who were on a boat not far from the attack tried to rescue him. The attack happened in the same area where a shark attacked and killed a 36-year-old French diver earlier this month. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're rare in the seashells, uh, the shark attacks, with the last reported fatal shark attack before the recent killings in 1963. Oh, wow. That's a long time ago. Yeah. The 115-island Indian Ocean Archipelago is a popular top-end tourist destination with some villa accommodation costing as much as 10,000 euros per night. If you're spending 10,000 euros a night on a place... It don't you keep, deserve a shark attack. I was about to say, it don't keep the I, sharks away. <laughs> you can fly first class and stay in a swanky joint, but uh, sharks don't care. No. You still kind of taste Upper it. class, lower class, mm-hmm. tastes the same to a shark. Yeah. For 10,000 euros, you could hire like poor people to go swim around you as like a <laughs> meat buffer. Decoys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go after these poor people. I'll tell you, that, that's democracy right there. <laughs> no, that's that, – there, there was no voting. No, it's the great equalizer, sharks. Oh, I see. Next, next item bridges the gap between shark and parasites. Okay, because we were talking sharkasites. Sharkasites, yes. We were talking about the Greenland shark. Yes, with its uh, uric acid infused flesh that you have to oh, yeah. basically get it out, otherwise it's poisonous. And all the ammonia and whatnot. And also the that was on the food episode. Ah, yes. yes. On the parasite episode, we were talking about the ocular parasite which only exists attached to the Greenland shark's eye. Uh-huh. Uh, it is a string-like pink or yellowish copepod known mm-hmm. as the Amotacoita elongata. This information comes from our listener, Gavin. Hello, Gavin. The parasite infects 90% of all Greenland sharks and does adversely affect their sight, but 
It is thought that the squirming, worm-like parasite hanging prominently from the shark's eyes attracts curious fish, etc., to the shark's face, thus getting it food. Oh. So it may be less of a parasite and more of a symbioticite. Mm-hmm. It can almost be a lesser of two evils all in its own. <laughs> would, you, would you like a parasite on your eye that makes it easier for you to get food? Oh, Is no, that worth no. the trade? You don't have to compare it to anything else. Yeah. Just this or no. That's that is a tough one. It I brings do like food, food to you automatically. So so for <laughs> human, blind. so for you human, it levi- levitates cheeseburgers in your direction. Or it lives on your eyeball, but it's like an ice cream dispenser. Yeah, there you go. Oh, right into your mouth. Right into your mouth. That's like a new, whole new kind of cyborg. But of course, the dra- downside is you've got this wormy thing on your eyeball that kind of impedes your vision that's a tough call i do have another eyeball yeah but it'll probably make it uh, so you weren't allowed to drive and Mm. i kind of need to drive but if i have ice cream where else would i need to go (laughs) (laughs) it's the only place i drive to exactly (laughs) Uh, studies suggest that the infected sharks eat better than those that don't have the parasite as to how the copepod gets from one shark to the other, the parasite releases its larva into the water, and the larva are free swimming. Maybe the parasite is Ooh. just a fad. All the rich ones do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's why they eat better. You know, well, darling, you simply must get an ocular parasite. <laughs> All the hippest sharks are doing it these days. It's like tribal tattoos from the 90s. Give me street cred. Gavin also wrote in about our cannibalism podcast. Okay. Commented on it. As part of my forensic research project, just got emailed a picture of one of Jeffrey Dahmer's victims taken by Dahmer, a young man butchered and ready for the oven. And so obviously we'll find that picture and put it on the website, mm-hmm. com. One of Jeffrey Dahmer's victims post-murder, post-sex, prior to eating, and prepared like a cut of meat. I did see this. Unusually, Dahmer haunt, hunted outside of his race. Most serial killers prey on their own ethnic group and had a strong preference for black youths. This was seen by the families of many of his victims, along with the fact that they were also gay, as being one of the reasons why the police were seen as lax in investigating Dahmer's crimes. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty common knowledge that there was a couple, at least one incident in where police became involved in a domestic incident that was not further investigated and then... Yeah. That person ended up becoming one of his victims. Yeah, there's the boy who escaped and who was delivered back to Dahmer by two policemen. The policemen later laughed and joked at their precinct that they'd interrupted a quote-unquote tiff between two faggots, unquote. After it was revealed that Dahmer had promptly butchered and eaten the youth, they'd returned to him. The two officers were suspended with pay. Mm. They later successfully sued the department for suspending them, got their jobs back, and were promoted. Yeah. So that's ju- that's the justice system. We're going to have to go with, uh, it, it, hopefully it will weigh heavy on the consciences. I guess so. Please have consciences. I, I don't <laughs> think it does, though. I like it sound like if they sued yeah, and got no promoted, kidding. they're probably like, yeah, how dare they? Well, here's the problem too. A lot of people who go in, well, not a lot, but <laughs> some people who go into law enforcement, kind of it's the same kind of thing about some people that go into uh, the practice of political office that they have personality disorders and that's why they go into those lines yeah. of work in the first place yeah it's like counselors who go into counseling because they need the most counseling of all yeah or boy scout <laughs> leaders who go in them because they're pedophiles <laughs> another interesting Dahmer fact during his autopsy Dahmer's body was shackled in irons at the hands and feet throughout the entire necropsy medical staff refused to perform the procedure unless the restraints were left on just in case that does not sound true <laughs> it does sound kind of made that up that comes from Gavin I believe everything that Gavin says. 
What that means is the science-loving doctors that were brought in had crazy superstitious. Well, then they shouldn't hire them. <laughs> if you're a doctor and you're worried about a dead guy coming back to life and killing you, you should find another line of work. No, they were just afraid of him maybe taking a nibble. He's dead. <laughs> it's one of, one of the key things about dead people is they don't nibble. Oh, well, okay, so you say. Any good doctor can tell you that. <laughs> if Hollywood's taught me anything, that's not true, Joe. Or a comment from So.co on our self-surgery episode. She pointed out this recent news article. U.S. man tries to remove his hernia with a butter knife. Whoa. This is from July of this year. Wow. A Southern California man was taken by ambulance to hospital after he tried to remove a painful hernia from his own body with a butter knife. The wife mm. of the 63-year-old Glendale man okay. called emergency services when she discovered his attempt at self-surgery to remove the protruding hernia. Oh, so it was a bad one. Officers found the man naked on a patio lounge chair outside his apartment with a 15-centimeter butter knife sticking out of his stomach. Oh, God. He was upset by the hernia. Fair enough. <laughs> Hernias could be upsetting. I can see that. Well, as opposed to taking a butter knife to it because you're not upset. <laughs> and he wanted to get it out. But here's the thing. Okay, if you're going to perform self-surgery, if you're going to try and cut a, a protruding hernia yes. from your abdomen, mm -hmm. why choose a butter knife? Like, it's the absolute <laughs> wrong tool to use. If My father, his quote was, the right tool for the right job. Sure. I heard that dozens of times in my youth. And a butter knife is never it the right tool. It comes in the tool. hernia self-removal kit, no. does it not? No, I don't think it does. I don't think it does. No. I think a paring knife. You're buying one of them fancy science-based hernia kits. <laughs> it's just it's the wrong knife. I'm sure he had a sharper knife in the in his kitchen drawer. Also included in the self-hernia removal kit is a cigarette. <laughs> Because while waiting for the paramedics, he apparently pulled out the knife and stuffed a cigarette into the bleeding open wound. <laughs> what? He may have mental issues, because this fellow. Because figured. It oh, maybe wanted nicotine. Maybe he'd give his hernia cancer, and then that would make it go away. The man wasn't screaming or showing any signs of pain, and was taken to Los Angeles County USC Medical Center for psychiatric assessment. Yep. Perhaps he'd been self-medicating in some way, shape, or form, so uh, yeah, didn't feel any particular pain. Doctors, medical science doctors, uh -oh. say he has probably made his condition worse. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Well, they're hedging their bets. They're hedging their bets. You know, it's only... 95% chance it's worse. Yeah, the question is... Well, yeah, this is what's, what's, what's certain in science? What's the percentage that he made it better? That would be mm -hmm. five. Well, actually, probably not. Probably one and 4% that he did nothing. He got, like, a better odds than buying a lottery ticket. He did. That's good advice. However, with a lottery ticket, you're out a couple of bucks when you fail. And, and with he... this, you fail, you've got a butter knife sticking out of your abdomen. <laughs> It's all a matter of perspective, Joe. That way he'll always have something to butter with. There's also news in the world of decapitation. Oh, really? Yes. It's been a banner <laughs> the year. The world of decapitation? The wide world of decapitation. All right. Let's hear it. A divorced man decapitated himself with a cable in Virginia on Tuesday after getting into a dispute with his ex-wife. Police arrived at the home in Yorktown after receiving a call about a domestic dispute around 10 a.m. Uh, what do you think? Do you think his decapitation is purposeful or accidental? He tried to do something to get back at his wife and, and Darwin awarded himself off the face of the planet. Or did he go, screw you, woman. 
I'm going to get my revenge on you by decapitating myself. I can go with the latter. You're going to go with it purposeful? Yeah. All right, I'll go with accidental. They were talking with the ex-wife. This is the police. When a deputy saw a white Ford Explorer towing a utility trailer, the trailer was on fire, and the man identified as her ex-husband was behind the wheel. Firefighters arrived, and authorities attempted to get the man to exit the SUV. That's when they noticed a cable tied to a nearby tree was wrapped around his neck. Oh, starting to sound pretty purposeful. Mm -hmm. Officers pleaded with the man to surrender, but instead he hit the gas. He was pulled from the vehicle, and his head was yanked clean off his body. The vehicle continued moving for about 150 yards. That would be Joe purposeful. Wins. Yeah. Unless he somehow didn't know it was there. I don't think you could end up in a situation where your head is tethered to a tree. <laughs> Accidentally. Accidentally. Right, While you're sitting there kind of like revving. like With the SUV that's on fire or yeah. the trailer's or maybe, on fire. Maybe he passed out. Some prankster put it around his neck and he woke up and went, Ah, oh, i got to get away from here. <laughs> Slammed I, on the gas. I, he didn't have a cohesive message, though. He's got a trailer on true. fire. It could have been a little clearer. Yeah, I know. Exactly what was he going for? I don't know. He's either the world's greatest performance artist or he's a lunatic. He didn't or have a very big both. audience, though. I mean, you know, his wife and some firefighters. Yeah. Those aren't true, true appreciators of art. Mm. Not typically, but you never know. Maybe that was his plan. Mm-hmm. Spread art amongst the unwashed masses. Right, right. This The world is my palette. In the news for deformity... A 22-year-old woman has a full-sized extra nipple on the sole of her foot. What? Although one in 50 men... That's going to take foot rubs to a whole nother level. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Although one in 50 women and one in 100 men have extra nipples. Take that. Wow. One in 50 and one in 100. According to the California-based Dermatology Journal. Mm -hmm. It's the first first time one has been discovered so far down on somebody's body. Extra nipples are usually found above the belly button. Oh, wow. And, and doctors say it's the first time they have ever seen one on somebody's foot. The woman told doctors she had the unusual growth, which is almost two inches wide, all her life, and it never caused her any pain. No, in fact, walking on it made her feel kind of good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so, oh, it's so cold in here. I'm walking on my hard nipple. It's like having a high heel. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, between 1% and 5% of the population have the condition known as supernumerary breast tissue. Has uh, anyone here witnessed an extraneous nipple? Supernumerary breast tissue? Not that I know of. I have not. I know the Krusty the Clown has one, doesn't he? Yeah. I, I certainly have not laid my hands on 50 pairs of boobs, but. <laughs> so I haven't hit the statistical level where I should have encountered an extra nipple. <laughs> right. But I have. I have. I uh, did uh-huh. a fabulous young lady. I won't give her name out. She had. Let's call her Nippolina. <laughs> if we must. And, uh, yes, she had an extra nipple on one boob, which was immediately below the other. In fact, the areolas were connected, so she had, like, a little sure. figure eight on one boob. Oh, very or good. an infinity sign. And, or well, it was up and which down. way she was lying. Oh, it was, up, it was and up, and up and down. But if yeah. she, yeah, if she lay on her side, yeah. it was infinity. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Nipple to infinity and beyond. I, yeah. Although most of the time extra nipples are found along the milk lines, which run from the genitals to the armpits. They have been discovered on the back, thigh, or even the face, but never the feet. Face nipple. Face nipple. Closer of two evils. You would want to get there. You would want to get that removed. I thought you just throw, you're like, oh, it's the biggest, baddest mole ever. I guess it depends if you're a lady or a, a man, because as we all know, lady nipples are dirty. I remember. But man nipples, they, they can, you can just show them. Yeah, I guess that's true. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Not dirty I as was sanitary. Like, what? Yeah, I, I, what do you mean dirty? Like, they're, they've got extra bacteria That's on where them? they pee from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
In high school, I remember uh, flipping through a medical journal, which had all sorts of deformities and human issues and pictures of them and whatnot. And there was a photo of a woman who had not just a nipple, but an entire breast in her armpit. Ah. She had an armpit Sexy. boob. It's a horrible combination of, of awesome because boobs are awesome and then like armpit stink. In the picture, Did she, shave her she had not shaved her, her armpit boobs? hair. Oh, nice. So it, the boob well, itself feet. was kind of, not the hairless, but less hairy. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, so it kind of had a halo, like a mane. Uh, mane breast. It had a boob. Mane supernumerary breast. <laughs> Most unfortunate combination. Did she have to walk around, I can't really do this because it's a podcast, but with like one arm like up in the air all the time? Well, you just get a still and did photo. She, and could she make farting sounds with her armpit or double farting because she's actually got two meetup could she squirt milk out of it that would be oh, great for gags yeah that'd be a good party trick mm-hmm. no sure. doubt about it oh hey you'd like a little milk in your coffee there are eight categories of supernumerary nipples all right okay let's hear them they range from polythelia pelosa which is just a patch of hair I guess a hair is a nipple now. Right. And develop up to a complete nipple with glandular tissue and areola. Mm-hmm. Researchers classified this case on the foot as stage five, which means it has a nipple and areola but no fat tissue. I so, need, I want a chart. A one is basically nothing and an eight is a full boob. I guess so. Yeah. Third nipples have been mentioned throughout history and folklore and were once known as witches' nipples. I used to use the phrase uh, as cold as a witch's tit and then one of my Wiccan friends smacked me for that telling me that her tits were quite warm and lovely. Did she smack you with her breast? <laughs> no. We, everybody knows that witches' tits are warm as everything. It's their cold, cold hearts. <laughs> Hence why she smacked me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For our sloth episode, Derek uh, wanted to point us at the Wikipedia entry on internet addiction disorder. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that there are boot camps set up in China where you can send your kids to go cold turkey. Boot camp for the internet? For the internet addicted, yeah. So you just send them to somewhere where there's no I internet. Can, I guess so. Yep. Families in the People's Republic of China have turned to unlicensed training camps that offer to wean their children off in their teens from overuse of the internet. I don't have any more details except for the training camps have been associated with the death of at least one youth. Yeah, you know, when you talk about re-education camp in communist China, you sort of like walk in a fine line. It feels like a razor's edge. Uh, a 14-year-old boy was allegedly beaten at the boot camp in China for young internet addicts and was in critical condition uh, less than three weeks after a youth at a different camp had died. Why exactly do you feel the need to beat? Because you know they're the nerdiest kids in town, right? Yeah. You know, they got these they're probably getting issues. beat anyway. Yeah, they're getting beaten at school when you send them to the re-education camp. It's not related to the internet thing. I mean, can't you, to cure somebody of internet addiction, just unplug the internet. Like, the beating seems extraneous. They're, at, they're bonus content, <laughs> as you would say in the, in the DVD world. Yeah. With wireless everywhere, is the entire camp built inside a Faraday cage to block out all the, the Wi-Fi? No, you just take away your iPhone. You strip them down. Yeah. Put that powder would, on them. I would start, I would go Gilligan's Island and build one out of coconuts. <laughs> So, Joe, you're saying you wouldn't you necessarily function that well in one of these re-education camps? I'm, uh, I'm approaching post-human. Yeah, I need the Internet. It's part of my brain now. And in related news, last year a three-month-old child died from malnutrition because its parents were playing computer games. And where was this? South Korea. South Koreans they playing computer are games. StarCraft crazy in South Korea. Really? It Countrywide. Like a religion. It, it's almost like a religion, yeah. Everybody plays it. They watch professional matches on TV. Although in this case, they were playing Prius online or Prius online, P-R-I-U-S. 
So if you have an addictive personality, we advise you not to play Prius. You know what that is? That is the worst car racing game of all time because the only (laughs) car you can use is the Toyota Prius. And all races are done at 35 kilometers an hour. But great mileage. Great mileage. That's the point of the game is to get to the finish line burning the least amount of gas. Still online. You can still play it. Didn't seem to get phased in any way from the death of the child due to the parents. Fair enough. It's not the game's fault. Or is it? Well, I think the problem with the game is that there's no set ending time. You know, it's not like being yeah. addicted to TV where a show ends and then you can kind yeah. of go, oh, you uh, have that automatic I should reset kind feed of built my in. kid because yeah. it's crying. Okay. Or there's a commercial on. Whereas with a video game, it's easier to just get sucked into it and play forever. I'm sure all of us have had the experience of playing ever, the old Civilization ever, game. Ever. Have, have you heard this? You play Civ 2 or Civ 3 or Civ 4, any of the Civilization games, and you're playing, and it's it's a turn-based game, and you're trying to build up your tech levels. And I had multiple nights where I would be playing it, and just, oh, just one more turn. And all of a sudden, outside it would start getting lighter in the sky. The birds chirping. And I could hear birds <laughs> chirping, and I would go, what the hell did I just do? Oh, this was not a good thing. <laughs> I've done that with Fallout once in a while. Yeah. Really? But only on the weekend. You guys are hardcore. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you want to do this bear story? I do. August 17th, 2011. Oh. Moscow. Mike's, Mike's birthday. Oh. Our uh, sound engineer and producer, Mike. Happy birthday, well, Mike. Happy we got birthday, you a bear. Mike. A distraught mother listened on a mobile phone as her teenage daughter was eaten alive by a brown bear and its three cubs. What? Olga Moskalyova, 19, gave a horrific hour-long running commentary on her own death in three separate calls as the wild animals killed her. She screamed, Mom, the bear is eating me. Mom, it's such agony. Mom, help. Her mother, Tatiana, said the first. at first she thought she was joking. But then I heard the real horror and pain in Olga's voice and the sounds of a bear growling and chewing. Now, where was this? Moscow. So I'm guessing. I'm guessing I'm it guessing wasn't it, like in the middle of downtown Moscow. This, Moscow. Isn't, this wasn't at the Kremlin. She didn't, she didn't fall in the Moscow Zoo yeah. or the Moscow Circus. No. Wow. That is the worst thing that could ever happen. Yeah. Well, That's pretty horrible. Like, honestly, can I, I can't think of much worse than that. Unknown to Tatiana, the bear had already killed her husband, Igor, Olga's stepfather, by overpowering him, breaking his neck, and smashing his skull. Score two for the bears. In a second call a week, Olga gasped, Mom, the bears are back. She came back and brought her three babies. They're eating me. Uh, this actually reminds me of a story that I might have actually told about an article that I read in a magazine written by a guy. He and his fiance had been attacked by a bear. He had been knocked unconscious when he woke up. His fiance was in the middle of being eaten, and he actually had a conversation with her where she was like, you have to go. I'm done. You have to leave, and at least you can survive. Mm-hmm. I'll never make it out of here alive. Yeah. I'm going to start carrying a sword when I go into the woods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, bear spray just doesn't seem to have enough oomph. doesn't give you that kind of comfort of, like, sharp steel wood. It's another reason to go to Academy Duello. Start learning how to attack bears with your sword. Bear defense. <laughs> Walk right in. Uh, I'm here to learn how to defend myself from bears. Now I want to get that anti-bear suit. That we talked about in Bears. Yeah, Project Absolutely. Grizzly. Project yeah. Grizzly. Mm-hmm. That's pretty gr- I, to him. <laughs> I, I can't there's, even. There's a line from the, th- I can give you the line from the third call. <laughs> Do it. Uh, an hour uh, later, her, she called again. Mom, it's not hurting anymore. I don't feel the pain. Forgive me for everything. I love you so much. She's uh, got good cell phone coverage. I was yeah. about to say. 
three bars for sure <laughs> to get all that out. I can't imagine being the daughter. I can't imagine being no. the mother. I can't imagine being anybody in this Greek tragedy of a story. How do you go on to live your life being that mother? Your husband is dead, and you heard your daughter slowly get eaten by bears. Like I would be, that would turn me into like the anti-bear Batman. Like, yeah. like you think Batman <laughs> yeah. what, seeing his parents get killed like in the blink of an eye in front of him in an alley turns him so crazy that he becomes like the Dark Knight fighting criminals yeah. for the rest of his life. This would make me just become, become a hunter and just go out and just start butchering bears everywhere. You become bear woman. You mm. become Major uh, Ursa. Nothing. Ursa Minus. Ursa Minus. Uh, that's the name. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. So to hopefully bring the, bring the bears fall up a little bit more lighthearted, we have an alternate ending to the terrible Yogi Bear CGI movie that was out. And we're going to just embed that on the... Uh, the posting for this follow-up. Yeah, so causticsodapodcast.com, drop on by. We don't want to uh, give anything away, but... No. Uh, but if you've seen Jesse James... The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, uh, it may seem familiar. <laughs> now, preacher went out walking, was on one Sunday morning. It was against his religion, but he took his gun along. He shot himself some mighty fine quail and one little measly hair. But on his way, returning home, he met a great big grizzly bear. Now the bear got down in the middle of the road, on all fours like a great big toad, and looked that preacher right square in the eye, and the preacher looked at him and said bye-bye. Started down the road and took out the run. The bear right after that preacher did come, running the run for about a mile. Then they both sat down and rested a while. The preacher got up, started again. The bear, he started out with more of him, and they ran and they ran till he spotted the tree, set up on the limb as a place for me. Bear got close, made a grab for him. Preacher leaped up and he made the limb, pulled himself up and turned about, cast his eyes and skies and he did shout oh lord you delivered daniel from the lion's den also delivered jonah from the belly of the whale and then the hebrew children from the fiery furnace so the good book do declare yes lord if you can't help me for goodness sake don't help that bear just about then, the limb let go and the preacher came tumbling down. Reached in his pocket, pulled his razor out just before he hit the ground. He hit the ground with an awful bang. It was a terrible sight. The preacher and the bear with the razor in his hair just a cut and left and right. Well, they rolled around on the ground. The preacher was up and then he was down. The bear let out an awful moan. It looked like the preacher was holding his own. Thought if I'd get out of here alive with that good book, I will abide. I'll never sin on Sabbath day and Sunday. Come, I'll pray and pray to the heavens. He did glance at Lord just Give me one more chance Then his suspenders gave away And he knocked that bear ten feet away Then the preacher got up and made a bound For a tree where he'd be safe and sound Pulled himself up and turned about Cast his eyes at the skies And he did shout Oh, Lord, you delivered Daniel from the lion's den Also delivered Jonah from the belly of the whale And then the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace So the good book do declare Yes, Lord, if you can't help me For goodness sakes, don't help that bear For the art episode wrote in to mention Piss Christ, which is a 1987 photograph by artist and photographer Andre Serrano. Yeah. Depicts a small plastic crucifix submerged in a glass of the artist's urine. The piece was a winner of the Southwestern Center for Contemporary Arts Awards in the Visual Arts Competition. I do remember seeing this because it made such a hullabaloo and it was shown on the news everywhere. And it's like one of those things where everybody was castigating it. Like they were all sort of talking about how this isn't art and it sort of, you know, brought that constant debate. Is modern art art and whatnot to the forefront? But this guy never got so much press in his whole life Mm -hmm. before he did this. And sort of like it's ironic because it proved him right. 
Yeah. You, you know, the more inflammatory you make it, the more famous or more notoriety you're going to yeah. get. So it's like then all of a sudden it is art and it's of art of consequence. <laughs> yeah. Is art just about notoriety? No, it's about getting a reaction from people. Yeah. So Transformers 3 was art because it got a pretty massive negative reaction. Our listener, She Fights Like a Girl, wanted to mention Chris Ophelia. Turner Prize-winning British painter known for artworks referencing aspects of his Nigerian heritage, particularly his incorporation of elephant dung. Okay, as like a material. Yeah. That he actually used. Did yeah. he did he just like make it look like elephant dung or he just made works with elephant dung without necessarily uh, referencing it whatsoever? Uh, one of his paintings, The Holy Virgin Mary, a depiction of the Virgin Mary, was at issue in a lawsuit between the mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani, and the Brooklyn Museum of Art when it was exhibited there in 1999. The painting depicted a black Madonna surrounded by images from black exploitation movies and close-ups of female genitalia cut from pornographic magazines and elephant dung. These were formed into shapes reminiscent of the cherubim and seraphim commonly depicted in images of the Immaculate Conception. Okay, I got to tell you, I'm confused by even the thought of that jumble of imagery. Yeah. Black exploitation, female genitalia, cherubim and seraphim, cherubim and seraphim made out of dung. elephant dung, yes. and the Virgin Mary, a black Virgin Mary. Giuliani exclaimed, "There's nothing in the First Amendment that supports horrible and disgusting projects." Yeah, there is. Yeah, that's kind of the point of the First Amendment. That's the whole point. You don't you don't only protect speech that everybody agrees with. That's not yeah. how it works. And you can go see the painting in uh, the Museum of Old and New Art in Hobart, Tasmania. Yeah. And our listener, Doug, wanted to point us out to something that I had originally written in the notes for art and was the Museum of Bad Art. Okay. You can go to museumofbadart.org. I have a whole org. gallery. I have a whole gallery of stuff in there myself. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to get upgraded to the Museum of Terrible Art any day now. Uh, there was a book out for a while that collected various bad arts from the mm-hmm. Museum of Bad Art. I'm sure Probably you can still get it. But the tagline is, art too bad to be ignored. <laughs> I love it. And it is pretty awesome. This is kind of like that website where they show like family photos from the 70s and 80s that are just so bad that <laughs> they require to be posted and people to make comments on. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's bad stuff. <laughs> and then moving on to slavery. Our most lighthearted episode of yes, all time. From our good friend Spooky Paradigm. Hey, Spooky. In the 1520s and 1530s, the Spaniards turned Nicaragua into a carnal. Wait, is it carnal or charnel? Into a charnel house of slaving, more than pretty much anywhere else. This may be because the Aztecs were already used to going there to slave, but this isn't certain. But the slaving expeditions there approached the Atlantic trade in horrors. Spanish slaving raids would go in, capture hundreds or thousands of prisoners, and in many cases, 90% would die before they got back to a city to be sold to Mexico or the Caribbean. Nice. These overland expeditions, or entradas, in Nicaragua were beyond horrifying. Slaves would be branded often several times on the face. That is my least favorite place to be branded. Yeah. That is for sure. That's uh, my second least favorite. Yeah, second here. Because it depends what part of the face. Forehead? I was thinking more of the eye. Or the lips. And then hoaxes. Mm-hmm. Banks comes back at us again. Spaceship Zero, we were talking about that hoax. Right, mm-hmm. correct. Uh, Spaceship Zero did more, did fool more than a few people. The most notable was Terry David Mulligan, a semi-famous Canadian television personality who worked for various music video programmies. Mm-hmm. He wanted to interview the band and the director uh, of the movie, but the head of the record label wouldn't let us bring in an actor to pretend to be the director. Oh, no. Why not? It's too bad. And in the news for alcohol, 
A homeowner in southern Sweden got a shock when he found a drunken elk stuck in his neighbor's apple tree. <laughs> There's a great photo for this that's going up on the site. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the animal was apparently on the hunt for fermenting apples when she lost her balance and became trapped in the tree. <laughs> Poor Johansson from Cerro near Gothenburg found the elk making a roaring no- noise in the garden next door. He called emergency services who helped him get the boozed up beast by <laughs> out by sawing off branches. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's really stuck in there. He is That's wedged. And renaming that tree, the moose trapper. <laughs> It is not unusual to see elk or moose, as they are known in North America, drunk in Sweden during autumn when there are plenty of apples about. I did not know that. That's a little tidbit of information that I did not have previously. Keep that in mind when you're visiting. A follow-up to crocodilians. There was a recent story about, is is the world's largest crocodile they could just captured? The biggest to be caught alive. There you go. Apparently. This is in the Philippines. Giant saltwater crocodile. Which are, as we mentioned in the episode, the largest breed of crocodile in the Mm -hmm. world. Weighing more than a ton, captured in a remote southern Philippine village following a series of attacks on humans and animals. Ah. Uh, measuring 21 feet. Woof. Weighing 2,370 pounds. The biggest to be caught alive in the Philippines. In recent years. In recent years. Well, or... Ever. Wildlife Division Chief of the Environment Ministry's Protected Areas and Wildlife Bureau said it was likely to be the biggest crocodile ever captured. Oh. Likely. Alive. Based on existing records, the largest that had been captured previously was 18 feet long. Wow. wow. So it buried it. It wasn't like 18 feet, and then the next one was 18 feet, 6 inches. Yeah. Well, I guess 21-foot crocodiles are probably hard to catch. That's probably why they never catch them alive. They're like, let's not try and catch it alive. Let's just shoot it in the head and then drag its body ashore. Like Those mm-hmm. extra 3 feet Yeah, a you, lot of power. You probably take your life in your hands when you go to wrestle a 21-foot crocodile. How much knockout juice do you put into that syringe that you're going to shoot into it? Yeah, no kidding. Like, uh, I, I would like to know the exact method, the logistics of catching a 21-foot crocodile. You know what you do? You get it on land when it's not in its element. You catch it while it's like trying to take down a cow or something. Bait cows. <laughs> the hunt for the crocodile in the village began in mid-August, and it took dozens of men to secure its capture on Saturday. But crocodile hunter Roly Sumiller, who led the hunt, said this reptile may not be the killer they have been looking for after at least one attack on a human was reported. After its capture. I guess so. Oh, it's like those lifetime thrillers where somebody gets a, where your lead character gets framed for a crime, but then somebody else gets killed while the, while she is in custody. Mm-hmm. And could so also, they have to let her go. It could also be the crocodile hunter wanting to get hired for another job. Well, we got this one, and I'm really awesome for catching the biggest crocodile ever, <laughs> but there could still be a man-eater out there, so well, you'd better keep paying me. So what's the theme music for the 21-foot crocodile? It's not dun-dun. Isn't it just the tick tick tock sound? Oh yeah, from <laughs> Peter Pan. <laughs> but the happy ending is the captured croc will now become the main attraction of the planned nature park in the area. We should do more more of that with people who with things that kill humans. I agree. More parts and make them wear t-shirts to say killer. <laughs> and then we also have on the same topic Michael Fincher wrote in to say I remember when I was living in Georgia as a child if my dog barked near the edge of the water on the pond the alligator would make a beeline in towards the shore. <laughs> Very scary sight. <laughs> Apparently they like the taste of dogs. I would say so. We would pretty much leave them alone and let them stay until they started eating pigs on the farm. Then it was unfortunately killing time. Unless it was protected season, then it was called wrangler time. Killing time. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
Killing time. I don't know that one. No. It's, it's closing time? Oh. No? You guys don't know that song? Oh, I know the song Closing Time, but that didn't sound anything like it. It sounded like it in my head. And then we forgot to mention the pop culture section. The uh, disguise in the James Bond movie Octopussy. Uh. A little uh, crocodile submarine <laughs> piloted by James Bond infiltrating what looks like some kind of party. Yeah, unfortunately, the crocodile couldn't possibly look more fake. <laughs> Also, when you want to disguise as something, you shouldn't disguise as something that's that, vicious and kills yeah, people. And yeah, and people would probably try to shoot <laughs> yeah, if they you, saw it at their party. Yeah, sneaking in as a crocodile, people aren't. And people shouldn't be like, oh, nonchalant about it, right? This <laughs> Look at that be... innocuous crocodile. <laughs> or alternately, big enough to house a man. If crocodiles are so commonplace there that people are not going to care that there's a crocodile floating in the water next to where they're planning their evil deeds, mm-hmm. you shouldn't disguise yourself in that water full of crocodiles. Yeah. <laughs> There's oh, another danger involved here. That's, a, that's what we like to call a double whammy in the yeah. business. And then also in pop culture, Banks wanted to bring to our he had a he has a review for Alligator exclamation point. Oh, all right. Which none of us have seen. Yeah, somebody finally. This one scared me because I had a friend who had a baby alligator who had recently gotten rid of it by flushing it down the toilet. What? That sounds like an urban myth. <laughs> so that's from Banks's typing I, hands. I am not gonna call Banks. A liar, maybe a stretcher of the truth. So naturally, a movie about a giant alligator living in the sewers scared the bejesus out of me when I was eight. That's pretty much his review. So Banks didn't actually talk about the film itself? He had nothing to say about it except for the Uh, fact that... It was my term, review. He didn't (laughs) say this is a review. I just said this was his review. All right. Don't blame the Banks (laughs) for my terrible mistakes. Uh, Leprosy. So for this segment, we're bringing back Jenna Capic. Hi. Who, of course, was our resident expert yeah. for the leprosy episode. We flew you in just for this uh-huh. oh, my goodness. segment on our follow-up so episode. First class, yeah. all the way. The question comes from Jessica. Uh, I believe this was on our webpage. Yep. There was a recent episode on House where the patient has, quote-unquote, pretty leprosy. Is Her question is, is this actually a form, a real form of leprosy? Yes. So when we go back to thinking about our episode about leprosy, we learned that it is a disease that affects the nervous system. So it's a bacterial disease that attacks the nerves under your skin. Right. Um, And also sort of botulism toxin and how this sort of can paralyze the face and and people use this on purpose to inject the toxin to paralyze... Botox, yeah. Yeah, their facial nerves. This is basically what this form of leprosy is doing is it is affecting the nerves of the face so that the muscles can't contract anymore. And so basically it just smooths out the wrinkles and stuff because your facial muscles aren't making those contractions to make those oh, those wrinkles. Okay. And so it can have sort of a youthful effect <laughs> on the skin that might later lead to horrible disfigurement. Yeah. So it, it starts out pretty. Yeah. Ends ugly. I'm guessing that, you know... We talked about it a little bit being a disease that progresses in sort of leaps and bounds with bits in between where you might not have changed. So you might have, you know, a good few months or maybe even years of extra prettiness followed by horrible disfigurement. Oh, nice. Nice. Unless you can get the whole leprosy thing stopped right when you're in the middle of your pretty. Yeah, I guess. I'm wondering if if the nerves might recover, if that tissue can regenerate or not. I bet it would be a slow process if it does. So you'd you'd have a good few years of of extra prettiness. You could just switch to Botox afterwards because you liked it so much. Well, you know, people get the permanent makeup where they get tattoos, you know, so Botox, you have to go in all the time. Mm -hmm. But if you got pretty leprosy, then that could be like permanent Botox. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's a whole new industry. I'm starting it up. 
Don't you want to TM that? Public service announcement, everybody. (laughs) Go out and get some leprosy. It may make you prettier. Just cross your fingers. You're getting the pretty kind. (laughs) So thank you, Jen, for that. And then moving on to our armadillo leprosy segment Uh in the news. (laughs) Sometime within the last 500 years, European explorers transmitted leprosy to armadillos in the New World. Now a new study finds that the disease is capable of jumping back from armadillos to humans. Again, all sex-related. I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb. In the back of my mind, it's always sexual transmission. Well, I hope it stays in the back of your mind. In 25 Americans with leprosy who lived in areas where armadillos roam, the disease matched a unique strain of leprosy-causing bacteria also found in 28 out of 33 wild armadillos. Wow. Yeah. So armadillos are giving leprosy to humans. People will hunt them, eat them, make souvenirs out of their shell. Eating or handling raw or improperly cooked meat should be avoided as it may have enormous number of bacteria if that armadillo had leprosy. Yes, eating them. That's what they did. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. About 50 or so U.S. cases are in people who say they haven't traveled abroad and haven't been in contact with another person with leprosy. But might have had sex with an armadillo. But might have had sex with an armadillo. I'm not going to deny that I had sex with that armadillo, but I'm not going to admit that I had sex with an armadillo. (laughs) I'm not going to say I had sex with an armadillo, but it liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Bestiality jokes. (laughs) In 15 cases, the researchers had data on whether the patients reported touching or eating armadillos. They found that eight people had interacted, quote, unquote, (laughs) Those were my quotes, actually, <laughs> with the arm- with the animals, including one person who frequently hunted and ate armadillo. Because leprosy is so rare, diagnosis can sometimes be the hardest part of treating the disease. Jose Ramirez, a former migrant worker from Houston who contracted leprosy after hunting and eating armadillo, struggled with symptoms for five years before being correctly diagnosed. I got to tell you. Cured by antibiotics. Me, me and the fence post, like, I can look at some animals and go, I'd eat that. Yeah. Armadillo is not one of them. No. I don't look at an armadillo and go, I wonder what that tastes like. Yeah. The other white meat? Like, I, I don't want a porcupine. I don't think... Uh, oh, wait a minute. Now you put a thought in my head. <laughs> well... I don't want to skin the the porcupine, but I would eat it. Yeah. All right. Okay. We're going to have to differ on this one. Taste of rabies. <laughs> Lesser of two evils. Skinning a porcupine <laughs> or, eating, or eating an armadillo that might have leprosy. leprosy. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, I'll skin the porcupine, thanks. Although then again, if I know that the armadillo might have leprosy, I'll just take my antibiotics right away and I'll be fine. What if they're resistant? <laughs> uh, follow-up on Jack the Ripper, not exactly an informational follow-up, but something that I found kind of amazing and like really cool. Scott S. wrote in to say, just wanted to let you know about an interesting thing that happened to me on the way home from work today. While driving back home from working a graveyard shift, not in an actual graveyard, I was listening to the Jack the Ripper episode, and I guess the soothing descriptions of the various murders caused me to nod off and flip my car into a ditch. Whoa. The odd thing was that I remember hearing your voices as I was rolling over and over and thought that you may appreciate the fact that you were close to being the last voices I ever heard. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, I do, do appreciate, appreciate that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a caustic soda. Nice. So I, I made sure to go, oh, my goodness, are you okay? And he said he's fine. He just had some bruises. This is the ultimate soda jerk moment right here. This is awesome. You are a true fan, sir. He gets the true fan award. Yeah, no kidding. It's only going to be beaten when somebody actually goes into a coma and then recovers. <laughs> and tells us. And tells us. Because now we're up to bruising. Yeah. We don't want anybody to try to do this. Please yeah. avoid it. 
But, but if somebody does, that'll be pretty cool. I don't know why I have this, you know, visceral thrill about the thought of somebody in the mid in the midst of a car crash and just our dulcet tones. And there's you and talk, you're, and you're, you're talking about your dong. <laughs> if Hollywood has taught me anything, <laughs> car crashes are Slow for pussies. What do we got for funerals? Banks pointed out we didn't talk about wakes, uh, which is a Scottish tradition, to wake the body for a number of days. Essentially, you watch the body to make sure the devil does not claim the deceased soul for his own. During this time, people come to pay respects. Yeah, uh, typically also, now, it's just a huge party. Also known as, probably way back in the day, a great way to figure out if the person was actually dead and not in just sort of a deep coma. Absolutely, which we talked about that very often you would think people are dead and they're not. Yeah. So the, I'm sure the word wake comes from, let's party so hard that if he's not dead, dead he'll wake up <laughs> yeah and uh, when i die i want you guys no funeral for me awake and our listener devon wrote in uh maybe i missed it but if you didn't mention it in the next follow-up you might want to mention the northern european country which has a dinner where the corpse attends and they joke about it not eating its food or not saying anything maybe it was finland question mark right we weren't we tried to find this we couldn't find anything on it on the interweb about that so if anybody has any information on that if you have any listeners in Finland, <laughs> yeah. maybe you can either just confirm or deny that this is a bit of a tradition. Confirm. Yeah. And uh, info at causticsodapodcast.com is our email address. by Mike Leeson in a small box filled with snakes that spit battery acid. To comment on our episodes or to make a donation as well as videos, pictures, links and to download Caustic Soda in tones, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes or pay the ultimate price 